Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I am going to have not one superstar today, but two superstars and my good friends, Ryan Hill and Brad Bauman. Ryan is the chief operating officer of Suncrest Capital and Brad is Suncrest Capital's chief investment officer. So Ryan is focused on pretty much driving operational efficiency in each community. He works closely with community managers to ensure optimal occupancy and expenses. Whereas Brad is totally focused on underwriting deals and which, which helps minimize risks while maximizing investor return. He has been investing for over 12 years. So welcome, Brett and Ryan. Thanks, Alpesh. Had to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been a while, huh? So yeah, um, yeah. just just to let everyone know, we speak every week. Uh, we are partners on you know one deal. We are planning to most probably will be partnering on a couple more uh, sooner or later, at least this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, us too. So. Um, you know, and of course, uh, I usually don't have to interview two people, but I think it makes sense here because both of you represent Suncrest Capital and we have been working together for some time. So tell us something interesting or funny about yourself and both of you can go one after another. <laughs> well, I don't know how funny this is, but um, I, have, uh, I have six kids. Wow. And what, <laughs> what I think is kind of cool is uh, I, two of my kids are third generation twins. So my uncles Ooh. are twins. I have a twin brother and then I've got twin boys. So a lot of twins. Wow. So you have a twin brother. Wow. That's crazy. That I did not know. I knew you have a twin. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't look anything like me. So you don't have to worry about impersonation. Okay. What about you, Ryan? I only have two kids. So I, you know, I can't compete there. Um, I'd, I'd say that maybe more on the interesting side of things, I'm, I'm a former elementary school principal. <laughs> Um, high school science teacher. And so I, I don't know a whole lot of uh, principals or, or teachers necessarily that um, jump into the real estate world. So that, that may be interesting to some folks. No, that is interesting. And I was going to mention that in your bio, but then I thought, oh, I don't want to spill the beans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so be, uh, does being an, a former principal at elementary school help you with uh, when you're dealing with community managers? <laughs> I think any kind of conflict management resolution, um, I, I have a lot of experience in that, Whether, you know, from different, uh, different parties that are upset about something, parents, students, teachers, whatever, right. uh, diffusing it and, get, and getting to a productive outcome. Uh, so I, I think that is a strength that I've developed over time. He's, he's a magician at it, for sure. I used so to think I was good at it until I saw Ryan in action. <laughs> So it seems like that was a smooth transition for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the, in that aspect, for sure, yeah. So, and how did both of you get started with real estate? Go ahead, Brett. Well, yeah, so for me, I started doing, um, investing in single family homes. Um, I did kind of a house hack situation and then oh, wow. started doing some uh, burrs where I was uh, buying, rehabbing, refinancing, renting, and then repeating. Um, and, uh, you know, started realizing this, you know, it was 
frankly getting kind of depressed over how long it was going to take to get my goals this way. I was just was like, man, right. I'm getting to fourplex, then maybe I can get to eightplex, and it was just taking forever. I sort of stumbled upon the idea of syndications, um, didn't even know it was a thing a few years ago, and I uh, started investing as a limited partner um, in a couple investments, and um, very quickly realized that it's much, much easier to do that than it is to do the Burr method. And I was getting at least as good of returns, if not better, by just being a passive mailbox money receiver. Um, and then after doing that for a little bit, I started contacting these these uh, sponsors that I was investing with and just asking for active roles where I could come in and just kind of men be a mentee with them and learn. And pretty quickly started taking on uh, underwriting and acquisition roles across three different groups, um, where for the most part, I wasn't being compensated other than maybe some some general partnership shares here and there. But it was amazing to learn as quickly as, as I did across three different industries, because some were doing industrial, multifamily. That's where I first got a taste of the mobile home communities as well. And then about that same time is when I ran into Ryan. And I'll let Ryan tell the rest of the story, because it's yeah. kind of funny. So my my start i think like a lot of people reading rich dad poor dad and just starting to get the the mind thinking differently about um you know these types of investments um so i i, I was accidentally house hacking probably before it was called house hacking way back right out of college and bought a house and just was renting out rooms and in there um and and just figured figured that was a pretty cool thing um i, I became a residential real estate agent Oh, I, wow. did, I did that for 13 years as, uh, as a teacher, I was teaching, I was coaching, uh, started my family and it was, uh, trying to figure, just, just figuring out, well, the, there's all these investors buying these bigger properties or commercial properties. And even as a residential real estate agent, I was like, how do, how do they do that? What do they, what do they do? So now, now we're doing that, which is pretty cool. But that was, that was my start. I, um, basically, couldn't afford childcare back, you know, that when I, when I first had our first kiddos. So I started doing real estate and that helped pay for, um, you know, daycare, childcare. And then it just kept growing from there um, much bigger than I, uh, I ever anticipated. So what, I think what, uh, what Brett was getting to kind of how, how we connected and got started together. <clears throat> um, my, my son, he's 15. He's a, he's a little entrepreneur. Um, he's done like a candle business selling, you know, he flips sneakers. Um, he, he nice. had, I think of new ideas, but he was, he was mowing lawns a couple of years ago and we had a, a mutual acquaintance, um, that he was mowing his lawn. Um, I come in and to pick my son up and, and told, told our, our friend that, um, you know, I just got back from our, my first little mobile home park that I bought in Kansas. It's about a, a 15 space community. And uh, he he got really excited and just said, "Hey, I was talking to my my friend about this. We should we should we should talk more because I I had another uh, off market deal just down the street, another mobile home park. And so Brett and I uh, we we met at the Starbucks just down the road. We we only lived maybe a half mile from each other. Wow! It started a conversation, and and at the time I thought, well, it, very cool, uh, an investor that can come in and he wants to learn a bit." And I, I, I didn't realize at that time, like, um, you know, Brett really is a wizard with the underwriting and evaluating deals and understanding how all the financing syndication works. So I think those two skill sets have, um, have uh, married well uh, to develop to where we are now. 
Well, that's a great story. And that uh, one thing it reminds me uh, in real estate, never underestimate anyone, right? So try to network, try to meet as, as many people as possible. You never know what would come out of it. So, so you guys met, right? Was it love at first sight? I mean, I mean, when did you guys yeah. figure out that you want to partner with each other? <laughs> um, I would say, I, I don't know about love at first sight, but respect <laughs> at first sight, I guess. And, you know, to, to Ryan's point, I thought I was going to be pretty passive on our first project together. Um, it was just Ryan, me, and then our friend Dan, the three of us partnering on it. And the idea was that Dan and I were going to be passive. Ryan was going to do all the work. And pretty fast, we realized, okay, you know what, this is something that we can all work together on. So we all became active partners on it. Um, and then after that first, we first closed on it, I think it was, so we closed in October. And I think by November, I was, you know, had really gotten the taste for like, let's go and get some acquisitions. And then I just found an on-market deal for portfolio for communities. And uh, we decided to tackle it together. And that's sort of where we, we jumped in and formally formally created Suncrest at that point. Um, and it's kind of been history since then. Well, that's amazing. So uh, it seems, and I think this is a really good way to get started where you basically dip your toes by going passive with Ryan and figured out, okay, this is what you may want to do or partner together, right? A lot of time, you know, we end up uh, being in a marriage which we really don't want, right? We are like, oh yeah, you know, two of us got to partner. We know it will work out. And then once you start working together, it's not, it's not the way you want, right? So, the, so, so, how did that first deal work out for you? We're still, we're still, we're we're still in that park. Um, it's uh, it's worked out really well in the sense that um, the cash flow has been right on point from what we'd expected. It's been a little bit harder to infill than we had anticipated, meaning buying homes and moving them in has been a little bit trickier. Um, and Ryan actually heads that up. So he he recently had a, a nice solution. Actually, just last night, he called me with some good news. So I'll let you transition and show that update. Yeah, so that first one, I, th I believe we're at 20 or 22 spaces on that one. Um, and that we, I mean, for the price point, price per pad was was pretty amazing. I think we ended up getting it for what, 190, 195,000. Oh, that's wow. pretty good. Um, so smaller, it's a smaller town. It's in the Kansas City MSA uh, and working with the city on um, beautifying it, getting rid of some of the older units, things like that. So we, we just got a bid about a week ago for tear outs. We need to tear out about six of the homes in there that just dilapidated, cost way more to fix up yeah. than we can sell it for. Uh, so our, our bid was like 35K for, for all of them, which is, that's reasonable. That's like what we've paid in other communities, but this isn't a, this isn't a half million or million dollar asset that has a, a ton of cash flow coming in. Right. So that, that's a healthy chunk for us. So just making some calls around, found somebody that said they can do it for seventeen hundred a piece, so just a little over ten thousand. Oh, nice! You can take care of that, and then our plan is to uh, order a, a handful of new legacy homes. So we'll in in this community that's hungry for affordable housing, like most are. It's just not right. available in most places. Um, we're taking these old dilapidated homes, tearing them out and bringing in some beautiful new homes, which the city can be proud of as they're, you know, they're, they're driving by and we're, we're creating uh, affordable housing options for, for people in that area. 
So a couple of questions right now, as I have heard that it's taking too long to get a mobile home park when you order new. So how long are you thinking when you order legacy homes right now? Uh, we have, well, we developed a relationship with them. Um, and so we're able to get them a, a little bit faster, a couple of different, different uh, ways that we've done that through them. So it's about six months out for them. Right. Um, okay. Some some builders are over a year out. Correct. <laughs> um, I I just uh, a few days ago spoke to um, a contact we have at, at 21st Mortgage, which is, they finance uh, floor, flooring is what they call it, which is financing new home builds through manufacturers. And they had stopped. Um, they had actually stopped funding. And we, unfortunately, we had a couple of homes that they were going to fund for us, and then they they canceled it. So for a number of months, they have not been funding flooring because they've seen the market. What what's happened with the market um, is with in, with inflation, with uh, a little bit of house uh, price gouging by some. Oh of yes, crazy. And and so they're they've they stopped doing, and now what they're seeing is those prices are starting to mm -hmm. come back down a bit, and in. In some places, I've I heard a rumor anyway, like down in Texas, there's some plants that they're actually they're closing down on like one day a week because uh, they have a they have a bunch of inventory on their lots. Oh wow! Okay. That other um, other owners who ordered they canceled they just canceled the orders. Uh, so they have all you know these homes. So I think there's going to be a backlog that are going to be coming into the market that will speed up a bit. But right now six months is pretty like we're happy with a six month time frame. um yeah keeping my fingers crossed hope we get backlog it would be good for all of us right yeah for sure. paying that much price and i think it makes sense when you're waiting for a year a lot of time you end up canceling that order because you don't know what's going to happen after a year right maybe you don't need those homes maybe you end up selling that part right yeah so um which makes sense so let's talk about uh because uh, and when was this first deal 2000, 2020? Yeah, October 2020. Wow, so that's crazy. It's not even a couple of years, and you yeah. guys went from zero units to 600 units or pads. Mm -hmm. How did you guys do it? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, honestly, a lot of that growth happened in the first 12 months. We've had, over the last over the last several months, we've had we've had several projects under contract that have just taken a lot longer than normal. So, right. uh, I we expected it this year to double that six hundred. Um, still hoping to do that. <laughs> just you know, with interest rates increasing and some other uh, aspects of the market, it's been a little bit harder to you know close things as as quickly as we're used to. But um, the way we were able to do that, it was kind of a blend between off market and on market. So our first park that we bought together as Ryan said was off market. He just drove past it. They had a for sale sign, but that was really the only marketing that they had. Um, and then the next four were on market. We bought those through Capstone. Uh, we've developed yeah. a really great relationship with them. And, you know, at the time I was kind of afraid of on market because I'd heard so many bad things about if you're buying on market, you're overpaying, all those kinds of things. Well, here we are just a little over a year later after buying on market and we have paid our investors regularly over eight percent cash flow every month um and so we were feeling very good about those and we're actually just starting to dip into the value add there with about almost 30 new homes will be delivered this fall so those returns will only continue to rise for that portfolio so super exciting there and then the next few that we bought that got us to above 600 were all off market deals 
Um, two came to us through a wholesaler we've built a relationship with. And then the third was actually referred to us by another, another just a friend of ours. So kind of like a blind date to a community, right? He just introduced us to someone that owned a community and he ended up selling it to us. Um, so all of our parks, for the most part, are in the Midwest between Des Moines, Springfield, and Kansas City. We happen to have two more out here in Idaho that we are just a couple hours from in Sun Valley, Idaho. But we really love that Midwestern market. Oh, that's great. So um, did you guys have a goal in mind when you guys got together that you want to go to this many units? Uh, or what, what was your goal? Maybe it was the revenue, maybe it was the income? I would say at the beginning, um, our goal was a little bit broader than that. Uh, really, I think where Ryan and I really uh, realized we were aligned and um, catching the same vision is we talked about our family goals, more about building something that was more of a legacy for our family and our, our families and our children. And, um, you know, something that on, at the same time could build generational wealth for our investors. And so that's when we both realized that there was a lot we could partner on and build. Um, it wasn't until earlier this year that we started formalizing goal setting. Uh, so we, we both read, and actually our whole company has read the book, uh, Attraction by Gina Wickman. But I think we've talked to you a few times about that, Alpesh, too. But it's, a, it's really about setting the most important goals for the company, for the individuals, and then holding each other accountable to, to reach those. Um, and in, through that, we've developed our own 10-year vision, three-year vision, and one-year vision um, that our whole company's aligned up with and working toward, and that's helped a ton. And what was the process you guys went through uh, for going from zero to 600 units in a year? Yeah, uh, the, the process has been, a, it, there's been a lot of uh, interesting and some hard, hard lessons as we, yes. <laughs> as, as you scale that fast, um, it, I think that your vision gets ahead of the systems um, that are required to, to run them well. Uh, to continue growth, all of those things. So that I think that's that's been a big focus over the last year, especially is really fine tuning and building our systems uh, for just efficiency with the, the the people that we have working with us, as well as our own time. Um, so, I, Brett, I'll let you add on to that. Yeah, I know exactly. It's it's been setting up the right people and accountability and systems. And, you know, we're, we're certainly far from perfect on it. Um, we have a weekly meeting that we do. This is, frankly, this is all from that traction book too. So this is just like, we've basically taken the traction book and been religious about it, but there's this weekly pulse meeting uh, where we go through, how are we tracking against our goals for the quarter, goals for the, the year, all those kinds of things. And then the bulk of the meeting is dedicated to what are the top five issues that are impacting our business right now from being, being successful. And we're just very religious about spending the time to figure out what is the core, core problem or root cause of this issue, and then holding each other accountable to resolve it through the one to two week action items that, that resolve those issues. Um, and then right now, actually, we're going through a, a process of uh, kind of realigning roles. Uh, we've, we've noticed a gap in project management um, and maybe a little bit of an overweight on the community management side. So we, we essentially have our community manager, um, Kristen, who I think you've met a few times out there. Yes. Um, she manages all of our community managers, and she's also a strong project manager. That's some of her background. 
Nice. We recently promoted one of our community managers to be a supervisor under Kristen that sort of, she manages a few of the community managers and then reports to Kristen. And we, we decided that ultimately Sarah should take over the, the role of regional right. director and we'll be able to move Kristen into this project manager role, which will, you know, leverage a lot of her experience and give us fill a gap that we need um, or that we have. So, you know, there's it's it's an evolution, right? You're always constantly learning. And we like the idea of being able to prepare before the growth rather than right. react to the growth. So that's sort of where we're, we're making sure we're in the right position to scale for the new communities we're bringing on. So what are some of the challenges you faced uh, when you went from zero to 600 units? And how did you, um, and what are some of the lessons learned? <laughs> I think one of the biggest ones just on the manufactured home community side of things is is homes. Um, all things, all aspects homes from um, finding good, uh, reliable contractors to rehab homes, like vacant homes that you have, um, finding and sourcing quality used homes, transporting those homes, so we we had I, I think so many issues with just trying to figure out transportation. We ended up um, uh, forming our own toting company. So we oh, we, okay. we bought a uh, mobile home toter, um, and it it's a uh, you know full transparency. It's been in the shop getting fixed for a while, which which uh, you know these are pain points that you don't anticipate yes. necessarily, but. But when, when it's up and running, we have control over the, the timing of moves, which we didn't before. Um, we've actually started some third-party um, moves for other um, community owners as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So the, the home process as a whole is it's, it's a, a huge, um, I, I guess it, it requires a lot of personnel time and systems to make sure that all of those moving parts are coordinated well so that we can uh, you know, fix them, rehab them, finance them. So we, we have a number of financing programs for uh, you know, potential tenants that you, you know, even if they have poor or uh, bad credit or a bankruptcy or something, they can still uh, get financing for owning uh, one of our homes in our communities, which for us, that's a pretty cool feeling to be able to help people in that way. Oh, that's awesome. And how did you find your community manager, supervisor, all those people? What, what how, how did you get started? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll take the, I'll start this one. So uh, Doug and Kristen, they're our regional manager, so husband and wife team. So they, they started with me on that very first little tiny 15 space park. Uh, Doug did the, he did the inspection for it. He's a, he's a commercial and residential inspector and he had, he had a, um, a contractor business, so kind of handyman work as well. Got it. I needed a manager and I'd mentioned it to Doug. He's like, well, let me talk to my wife. And sure enough, she was interested. So three years ago, they, they started with me on that, that first one. Um, you know, I think Brett saw the potential in them and, and as we were looking to scale, um, really advocated to, to uh, bring them along and continue to grow them. And, and they keep growing with us. They're, they're doing an, an, an awesome job of, of seeing where we're going and building their skills to, to fit the, the roles that we need. So that's how we got that first layer. Um, then Brett, I'll let you speak to like the, the next layer of our community managers. 
Yeah, so uh, honestly, having Kristen and, uh, and Doug in place has been critical for a lot of reasons. I think initially we, we knew we were going to need them. Looking back, I don't know how we would have gotten anywhere near where we are without them. Um, and so the, the next layer for community managers, we a lot of them we inherited. So during due diligence, we, we do interviews with the community managers. Um, it's tricky. You've got to talk to the sellers because a lot of times the sellers don't want their community managers know that you're buying the park. So right. you kind of go into this guise of we're doing an appraisal or we're we're right. making an investment with the, the owner. So they're going to still kind of inferring that they'll still own it, but you're investing alongside them, you know, that kind of a thing um, that kind of gives you the latitude to ask the right questions. And then closer to once, once we're far enough in, then we always make sure the sellers will let us give full interviews with the understanding we are buying the communities. Um, and in almost every case we've started with the community manager in, in the play in place. Um, we've, Look, now that we're a couple of years in, we've had some turnover um, at a few right. parks where, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But for the vast majority, we still have the same community managers. Um, the other thing I'll say, I'll pass that's kind of interesting is in the mobile home community space, operators, all operators do things very differently. But what's different in, for the most part in community, in mobile home communities is the main responsibility for the managers is just to make sure the park is looking good, people are following their responsibilities, and to sell homes. They generally aren't having to do, deal with collections. They're not generally having to like uh, deposit checks because we can get all of that electronically and we centralize a lot of it. So we have our central corporate team that handles all of our bookkeeping, um, reconciliations, uh, collections, anything like that that's more centralized. And we even do all the communications come out of, out of our kind of centralized team. So it really takes a lot of that burden off the community managers. Oh, that that's a great way to differentiate and separate out the responsibilities, right? And so that they can focus on the, the things which matter. Yeah, exactly. No, this is great. Thank you so much for you know helping me go through the entire process and the challenges. Now let's talk about, are you investing? Because I know, uh, and this is how we met mobile home parks, because I wanted to invest. I had my own one mobile home park and was investing. And then I ended up, uh, you know, meeting Brett and, and, we, and uh, we ended up investing in something else. So now are you investing in different assets and why? Yeah, great question. So obviously leading because you know the answer to this. So right. we're, we're mostly in community, mobile home communities. We love mobile home communities. But for the last probably 18 months, we've been looking heavily at retail centers. And when I say retail centers, I want to clarify, this isn't malls. This isn't massive strip centers. We're looking at neighborhood retail centers that are critical to communities. So things like uh, places where you're going to have dollar stores or coffee shops or, um, you know, local retailers and obviously nationwide retailers as well that are going to be critical in person. Um, so more or less COVID proof, more or less online proof, those types of businesses where, is where we want to be. Um, we also joined a mastermind about a year and a half, two years ago that focuses mostly on retail. They have a lot in, of mobile home community um, mentors in, in that space as well, but we've learned a ton about retail. So earlier this year, after underwriting dozens of retail deals, we finally found one that made a lot of sense for us. Um, it's seven minutes from a mobile home community we own. It's in the Des Moines market, which we know really well. And it, um, it was listed at about an eight cap. Uh, so relatively good going in purchase price. Um, 
and it was 100% occupied with some up, some upside opportunity. So this is one where Alpesh quickly caught the vision with us and partnered with us, and this is why we've we've gotten to meet with Alpesh at least weekly talking about this project yes. up in Des Moines. And we did travel to Des Moines last month. All of us got together. I was able to look at Jasper Point Plaza. That's the deal uh, Brett is uh, mentioning about. And also we went and looked at another uh, retail shopping center as well. So I'm hoping that may come to our plate as well sooner or later. For sure, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, this, uh, Brett. And what has been your best deal so far and why? Um, so far, I would say our Iowa portfolio in general has been the best one. Um, but just to be more specific, our Iowa portfolio has five communities in it. It started with those four on market that I mentioned earlier, and then we added a fifth a few months later. And of those four, or I'm sorry, of those five now, one in particular just really stood out. It's our community in Osceola, uh, Iowa, which is about an hour from Des Moines. So I think technically in the Des Moines market, but really a tertiary area. So it was one that, frankly, I was more concerned about because it seemed so far away. But nice. man, the cash flow on that thing is amazing. Nice. Um, it just It's one of those just communities that just does really well. It's a beautiful looking community. The, the owners, it's actually 100% tenant owned um, oh, or resident awesome. owned. Yeah. yeah, so it's just a lot easier. I mean, the thing we worry about the most is make sure the lawn's mowed. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> it, you know? And um there, there's actually several acres behind it for us to develop some more too. So it's just, it's been a really great one with, with some upside in the future as well. That's great. And Ryan, I'm going to ask you this, what has been, cause you, you manage a lot of these communities. What mm -hmm. has been the worst deal so far and what did you learn from it? <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, we've, we've, so, so uh, some of our, a couple of our uh, Missouri uh communities that we knew needed a number of capex capital expenditure projects done uh new infrastructure from so sewer water electric and transforming this community that literally had um sewer or sewage running down the street at times when it rained oh, wow. too hard because the, the septic tanks would overflow and it was Crazy. just it was a neglected park, um, neglected community in a number of ways. Um, we, I think we ended up that, that park specifically that I'm thinking of, we evicted uh, three, maybe it was five, I can't remember now, uh, like tier three sex offenders. And so one, you know, once we found out about that, we had a plan in place, but it, it just, it kind of broke your heart because you're we first did our due diligence you're walking around and there's there are kids living in here like right across the street from and so you know i would i wouldn't say it's it's like the worst deal it's it's been um it's been a very difficult challenging process to get that turned around um not knowing probably you know just learning as you go on these big capex projects uh you don't know what you're going to run into um you know, it, it's going to cost more. It's going to take more time than you anticipated. So uh, I think the next time we look at a deal like that, we'll be even better prepared. We're getting through it fine. Uh, this The sewer project actually just started this last week. Um, we've, you know, cleaned out a bunch of homes. We're bringing, we have 16 new homes coming into that community. So in the end, it's going to be a, a, a beautiful community, right? Kind of in the heart of the city. Um, but it, it's been, 
I wouldn't say it's easy in, in any aspect. It, it's been challenging. Um, we've had some sleepless nights over that one, uh, but we've worked through it. One of our core principles is grit, and, and that's one that's challenged our core principle quite a bit, and we've had to really work through those. But so that, that's the one that comes to mind when you ask that type of a question. You know, it's funny, Alpash, I'll just jump in and say, when you asked which which one's been our best, I, I my guess is Ryan would have had a different answer. But when you said the worst, we both would say the same the same one. <laughs> and my hope is that, and I, honestly, my expectation is a year from now, we'll both look back at that and it's going to be the project we're the most proud of because it is the one that's taken the most work. And to Ryan's point, you know, going into that community last year, we only saw potential because we we knew there were sex offenders, there were little kids, we had crazy bad infrastructure, all those things. And uh, I, I just really think next year we're gonna come back and it's gonna be a brand new, completely transformed community that we'll be really proud of. But it's been hard <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I was sorry, I'll pass you on mute. So the, that kind of deal teaches you a lot, right? And also yeah. at that point, you got to decide, do you give up or do you continue? And if you are resilient enough, you may come out stronger, right? And that, that's what it is. Or, or you, learn, sure. you learn a lot of lessons and you may end up even building a lot of relationships, which will be you know, pretty fruitful in, in the future. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, this is absolutely. great. Thank you so much, Brett and Ryan, for sharing a lot of golden nuggets as well as sharing your story. Are you guys ready for fire round? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Would you be changing any business or investment strategy because of recession or inflation? Yes, so a lot of what has changed for us is our underwriting. Um, we're, you know, we used to be able to underwrite into low to mid 4% ranges, and now we're looking at mid sixes at the yeah, beginning so and refis in the sevens, um, and cap rates, we're, high, we're increasing our cap rates on the assumptions on, on the back end because you know, there's an indirect correlation there. Um, so definitely changing some things out of, that way. Favorite real estate or finance or even business book? My latest favorite one has been uh, Justin Donald's Lifestyle Investor book. Um, I, I kind of have equated it to a 2.0 version of uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, great. okay. Oh, wow. That's, that's a big one then. I got to check it out. Well, what's yours, Ryan? Uh, one of the more recent ones that... Um that we read uh, together, Rocket Fuel. So, oh, yes. Yeah. It, Gino Wickman, right? Yeah, Gino, it, it pairs very well with traction. Yes, um, exactly. So, so yeah, that, I think that, that one has been inspiring too. Oh, that's a great. Any tool or website you recommend or you cannot live without? We have so many. Um, <laughs> one that's probably surprising to a lot of people, I'll say, is Trello. I was going to say, you, are, you will mention Trello. <laughs> yeah, we bring Alpesha's on a few of our Trello boards. Uh, yeah. What I love about Trello, you know, I've got a strong like multi-year project management background. And I know a lot of hardcore project managers hate things like Trello because they're a little too simple. But that's what I love about it. We don't have to train anybody. It's just really easy. Yes. There's a lot of things you can do on it. So we, we like Trello. Yeah. What's yours, Ryan? Same or? It, yeah, Trello for sure to help us keep organized and the systems uh, efficient. But we and then and then we utilize Google Docs for a lot of our work and just the ability that that sharing aspect, um, collaboration aspect. Uh, so that that's the other one that I would say we can't live without. That's awesome. Any advice for beginner investors? 
I would say, um, you know, if you're getting into the syndication space in particular, uh, I, I really, you know, obviously I'm biased because it's what I did, but I think investing as a limited partner and then contacting your sponsors, well, before contact your sponsors before investing, obviously, but make it really obvious you want to learn and ask questions. And I, you know, if you've got the right sponsor, I think anybody is more than happy to spend time with you and teach you. And what we've learned as sponsors ourselves, when we get someone that just is really hungry and willing to work, we love that. And we, you know, we give them work, we teach them, they teach us. It's just a really great symbiotic relationship. Yeah. I, I was going to say pretty much the same thing. It's the, the smart thing. And I didn't do the smart thing at first. I just kind of, I, I dove in head first into it and thought I could do it all. And I, I figured out most of it on, along the way, but um finding people like yourself, Al Pash or, or Brett and I, and there, there's a lot of, a lot of people that, that are in the same mode that are willing to mentor. Like we, we've had really strong mentors in both the, the mobile home space and, and uh, multifamily space. And we, we believe in, in giving back and, and uh, sharing our time and what we've learned with, with others, because it, it's reciprocal eventually, even if it's just a short-term relationship you have with that person in three or five years, they may have a deal. They're like, Hey, you know, and, and they talk to you about partnering on something. So, um, so yeah, I think just connecting it's, it's about connecting with people and developing those relationships. Oh, that, that's a great advice. And I can relate to that, but you also took my next question. How do you guys give back? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a big one of just, you know, mentoring other people in the space and working with a lot of different people. Um, we actually, at this point, we're trying to develop a system around that too, by the way. Um, the other way I'll say is in the mobile home community space, there's a lot right now of, of in the news about people increasing rents dramatically and, um, you know, not necessarily adding value before doing that. And we're big fans of being slow to increase rents. Uh, we love buying in communities that are behind on rent and then gradually increasing them over time as we add value. Um, and we love looking for opportunities to add value. So even just roads, for example, we've redone the roads at several of our communities this past year. And I was amazed at the feedback we got from our residents that they just love having roads that like one resident described it as driving on butter um, <laughs> at a community that hadn't had repaved roads in over 20 years. Um, so it's, I, I think, looking for ways to beautify these communities, add value, make people proud to live and work where they are, um, are all ways that we like to give back. Thank you, muted. Thank, thank you, uh, thank you, both of you. Uh, how can my listeners reach out to you? Uh, best way is probably through our website. So it's suncrestcapcap.com. Um, and there's, you can fill out a just a contact us or contact me. Uh, emails are Ryan at Suncrest Cap and Brett at Suncrest Cap. You can find us both on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram as well. So uh, we, we do enjoy meeting new people, um, finding ways that we can uh, benefit them and, and see how we can partner on things too. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you again. Of course. Thanks, Alpesh. It's been yeah. fun. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!